Amen. Well, we come now to our message time. We're in the middle of a message series. It's called Overcoming Sin and Temptation. You know, Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And then Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. And that's really what this study is all about. We want to learn what the Bible says about overcoming sin and temptation so that you can avoid the traps of the enemy and so that you can walk in this full and good and abundant life that God desires for you and that Jesus came to bring for you. Last week, we looked at taking care of the basics, right? We talked about to take care of the basics. First, you got to get saved, get the Spirit, and get strong, right? You got to take care of the basics first. So that was last week. Now today, we come to preparing for battle. Once you take care of the basics, the next thing you've got to do is prepare for battle. What do you need to do each day to prepare yourself for the attacks of the enemy? Let's ask God's blessing on the message together. Dear Lord, we want to open our hearts to you and to your spirit and to your word. Teach us, Lord, from your word this morning. God, we need this teaching uh, to know how to defend against the enemy's attacks. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the world is full of traps and snares. You know that sin brings negative consequences to your life. You know that you're going to face temptation to sin every day. In fact, you probably even know what some of those temptations are when you get up in the morning. You already know what's waiting for you. You have an enemy who comes only to steal kill and destroy, and he is prepared to do battle with you every single day. And so if you want to experience victory, then you also need to prepare. He's prepared. Are you prepared? The soldier who enters battle unprepared is going to experience defeat rather than victory every time. If you want to overcome sin and temptation, you need to prepare for battle. So that's what we're looking at today. How do you prepare yourself for battle with the enemy? There's an outline in your worship guide. I strongly encourage you to take that out and follow along. And you'll see that we're going to look at three main things today. Praise and worship, preventative prayer, and then number three, putting on the armor of God. Praise and worship, preventative prayer, putting on the armor of God. The first way you prepare for battle is simply to engage in praise and worship. That may seem kind of strange to you at first. We begin with praise and worship. I thought we're going into battle. What's this about praise and worship? Well, it makes, it sounds strange at first, but it's going to make sense as we talk it through. First of all, know that there is power in praise. There is incredible power in praise. When you praise the Lord, you are acknowledging that he is God, that he is sovereign, and that he is the one who ultimately gives you the victory. And we see this with the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. Uh, when they went into battle against their enemy. For example, in the book of Second Chronicles, 
we read about how a vast army came out to make war against King Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah. People of Judah, they were outnumbered. Jehoshaphat knew that they had no power to face this army that was attacking them. So he goes to God in prayer. God sends him a prophet with these instructions. Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. And then what happens next is just amazing. We read in verses 21 and 22, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. When Jehoshaphat went into battle, he sent the praise team in first. I love that. They're ahead of everybody else just singing God's praises. Why? Because there is power in praise. And when you praise and worship God, you acknowledge that the battle belongs to the Lord and you allow him to lead the way. There's also power in God's presence. James 4.8 tells us, come near to God and he will come near to you. And so when you draw near to God in praise and worship, you invite God's presence into your life. And there is power in God's presence to protect you from sin and temptation. Let's face it, Satan does not want to be anywhere near where God is, right? He doesn't want to be anywhere near there. And so if you're drawing near to God and praise and worship, God is drawing close to you and you're walking closely in God's presence, that will protect you from so many temptations in this life. And then there is also power in developing positive affections for Christ. Let me explain this one to you. When you spend time in praise and worship of God, you will grow in your love and affection for Jesus. And the more you love Jesus, the less attractive sin will be to you. 200 years ago, a man named Thomas Chalmers preached a famous sermon called The Expulsive Power of a New Affection. Uh, Such an important sermon, people are still reading it and studying it today. And in that message, he basically said, he says, you know, there's two ways. There's two ways to make a person abandon their love for this world. One way is just to show them that the world is not that great, okay? That the world is not worthy of your affections, He said, but the other way, the other way is to show that God is so much better, so much better than anything that this world has to offer. And that second way aims not simply to remove your love for the world, but to replace that love with a greater love, your love for God. Thomas Chalmers wrote this. He said, we know of no other way by which to keep the love of the world out of our hearts 
than to keep in our hearts the love of God. And no other way by which to keep our hearts in the love of God than building ourselves up on our most holy faith. In other words, how do you grow to love sin less only by growing to love Jesus more? And Jesus taught us this same principle. I think of the parable of the, of the pearl merchant. We read in Matthew 13, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Now here is a merchant who loved pearls. He loved pearls. He's collected pearls everywhere. How are you going to make him stop loving his pearls? Ha! Huh. When he found the pearl of great price, he willingly sold all of the rest in order to gain this one pearl of great value. When you praise and worship God, you grow in your affections for Jesus, and your positive love for Jesus replaces the love you once had for the things of this world. And so this is the first way you prepare for battle. Seems a little strange at first. Praise and worship. Just spend time praising and worshiping God. There's power in praise. There's power in God's presence. There's power in developing positive affections for Jesus. And then the second way you prepare for battle is to practice preventative prayer. Preventative prayer. You know, too often we wait to pray about our sin until after we've committed it, right? And then it's too late. Now, it's still important to pray after you've committed sin, right? That's when we pray a prayer of confession. We confess our sin. We repent. We turn away from our sin. But how much better to pray prayers of prevention before the temptation comes? Have you ever thought of that? You know the temptation's coming, so pray accordingly. And now you'll see in your outline five ways that you can pray preventively against sin. Each one of these are so important. First of all, you simply pray against temptation. Pray against the temptation itself. Jesus told us to do this several times in the Gospels. First, the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil or deliver us from the evil one. You read that, lead me not into temptation. Lord, I can find temptation fine all by myself. I don't need anybody to lead me there, okay? But that's not what he's actually saying. He's just saying, protect me, God. Protect us from temptation. And then we think of Jesus' words to the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. And so Jesus obviously put a priority on prayer in fighting against temptation. Therefore, we need to do so as well. That's the first way you pray preventively against sin. Just pray against the temptation. Say, God, spare me from temptation. Lead me not into temptation today. Secondly, pray for wisdom. Wisdom includes both knowing the right from the wrong, but then also knowing why the right is better than the wrong. And that's going to protect you. Proverbs 13, 14 says, The teaching of the wise is a fountain of life, turning a man from the snares of death. And that phrase, the snares of death, it refers to that temptation, doesn't it? The bait on the hook, the trap, the snare, that whole cycle where sinful desire leads to temptation, which leads to sin, which leads to death. Wisdom will protect you from that cycle of temptation. So pray for wisdom. And when you pray for it, God will give it to you. James 1, 5. 
If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Ask, pray, cry out for wisdom from God. Wisdom will guard and protect you from sin and temptation. Pray against temptation. Pray for wisdom. Thirdly, offer yourself to God. Offer yourself to God in prayer. Do you do that in the morning? I hope you do. If not, something new to learn, something new to do. In the morning when you pray, offer yourself to God. Romans 6.13 says, Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God. Romans 12.1 says, Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And so you commit yourself to God for godliness. We have spent enough time offering these bodies of ours to sin. So offer your whole body, every part of yourself to God and for his glory. Make that an everyday prayer to offer yourself to God. Fourthly, pray for God's spirit to fill you and lead you. Remember what we said last week about taking care of the basics? There were three of them, right? Get saved, get the Spirit, and get strong. It's that second one. You need the Holy Spirit. Part of preventative prayer is praying and asking for God's Holy Spirit to fill you and to lead you that day. We read in Galatians 5. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under law. And the Holy Spirit is absolutely essential in your life for victory over sin. God gives you his Holy Spirit to make you holy, but you need to yield yourself to him. You need to pray for God's Spirit to fill you, to guide you, and to lead you through life. And then a a fifth and final way to pray, pray preventively against sin and temptation is to confess your previous sins and then make sure that you extend forgiveness to others. Confessing your sin will help you in praying for victory. The reason why is simply this. When you don't confess your sins, you're more likely to repeat them, right? When you do confess your sins, you put that behind you, and you're priming yourself for victory. And then you also need to make make sure you forgive other people when they sin against you. When you do not forgive other people, you give Satan a foothold in your life. Paul writes about this in 2 Corinthians 2 tells the Corinthians, he says, if you forgive anyone, I also forgive him in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. And Paul directly connects unforgiveness in your heart to Satan's schemes to bring you down in temptation. So those are five ways you can practice preventative prayer. You pray against temptation for wisdom. Offer yourself to God. Pray for the Holy Spirit to lead you. Confess and forgive. 
Now we come to one of my favorite parts, putting on the armor of God. Putting on God's holy armor. Ephesians 6, 10 through 13, we read, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You are in a spiritual battle, and only a foolish soldier enters the battlefield without his armor. And now there are seven components to the Christian's armor. And Paul says, put on the full armor of God. In other words, you need all seven of them in order to overcome sin and temptation in your life. And so with our time remaining, we're going to look at these various pieces of spiritual armor. What do they mean? How are they described for us? How do we put them on in our lives? The first three are found in verses 14 and 15. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So first up, we've got the belt of truth. The belt of truth protects you against the enemy's lies. The enemy's lies. One of Satan's most effective ways of attacking us is through his lies. The Bible calls Satan a liar and the father of lies. He lies about God. He lies about sin. He lies about the desirability of sin. And he lies about the consequences of sin. And so what is your defense against the enemy's lies? You put on the belt of truth, right? And where do we find truth? We find truth in God's word, which is you know, one of the things we looked at last week, taking care of the basics. You get, getting strong, you need to read God's Word. You need to spend time in God's Word so you can know the truth. So you read God's Word to know the truth. Now it's time to put it into action. The soldier's belt is, is, is that which holds all of the other pieces together, right? And when you put on the belt of truth, this is what you do. You are committing to believing the truth of God's Word. Believing the truth of God's word against the lies of the enemy. Satan is going to lie to you every week in your life. He's going to tell you, this is what you should do. This is the best way to go. This is what everybody else does. This is the easy way. And you're going to look at that, and you're going to put on the belt of truth and say, that is a lie, Satan. God's word says different. I'm going with God's word. You put on the belt of truth. Secondly, we have the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness protects against the enemy's accusations. You see, the Bible not only calls Satan a liar, he's also called the accuser. In fact, that's what the word devil means. The word devil means slanderer or accuser. And the enemy loves nothing more than to accuse you accuse you of sin and weakness and failing God. And he just, he just accuses you over and over again. He's trying to just beat you down and discourage you. 
You know, the breastplate, the soldier's breastplate does what? It covers the heart, right? It protects the heart. And the Bible specifically identifies the heart as that part of us which is vulnerable to accusatory or condemning thoughts. The breastplate of righteousness protects you against the enemy's accusations. As a believer, you have a defense against these accusing thoughts. And notice the defense is not your righteousness, okay? It's not your righteousness, but it's the righteousness that you have in Christ. It is his righteousness. And so when Satan comes along and accuses you of sin and and being weak and constantly falling down, you know how I handle it? I go, you're absolutely right. I just agree with them. Better than fighting. <laughs> Say, you're absolutely right. I do sin. I do stumble. I do fall. But you know what? I am covered in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And when God sees me, he views me as he views his own son. So Satan, get out of here. Go away and take your accusing thoughts with you. That's how you protect your heart with the breastplate of righteousness. Next, we have what Paul calls your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. I like to call these your gospel shoes. I hope you got gospel shoes at home, and I hope you not only have them, I hope you put them on your feet every morning, tie them up tight. Gospel shoes protect against the enemy's distractions. Distractions. This world is full of distractions, isn't it? And the enemy likes nothing more than to distract you from what really matters in life. You and I, we have been given a commission from Jesus to go, to go into all the world and to share the gospel. What helps you to go? It's your shoes. Your shoes allow you to go. So each morning you got to put on your gospel shoes, right? And say, Jesus, how can I help fulfill? Fill your commission today. Putting on your gospel shoes will help you to focus on Jesus and the gospel and will protect you against the many distractions the enemy wants to throw your way. Next up, we have the shield of faith. The shield of faith protects against the enemy's spiritual attacks. We read in Ephesians 6.16, In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows or darts of the evil one. And these flaming arrows or darts, these are those temptations that they just suddenly come at you out of nowhere, right? You, you, it's unexpected. The enemy knows that it's often the little things that will bring you down. It's that sudden temptation to lust or to doubt or to worry or to envy or to anger. The enemy just loves to throw those fiery darts at you all day long, right? So how do you protect against the enemy's spiritual attacks? You take up the shield of faith. The shield of faith, 1 John 5, 4 says, This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. You commit your way to the Lord, trusting him, believing in him having faith that he will help you stand against temptation. And then as those fiery darts come your way throughout the day, you just pick up that shield of faith over and over again and extinguish them one by one 
asking God to give you the strength against the enemy's attacks. Next, we have the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. We find them in verse 17. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The helmet of salvation protects you against the enemy's physical attacks. His physical attacks. We read in 1 Peter chapter 5, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. 1 Peter 5 is talking about sufferings, physical attacks. The enemy's physical attack on the believer. See, the enemy not only wants to drag you into sin, he wants to knock you down and take you out. We often pray for persecuted Christians around the world as a church. But what about when you become the persecuted Christian? Are you prepared to suffer for Christ? You will be when you put on the helmet of salvation. See, it's the soldier's helmet that protects against the enemy's kill shot, right? And the helmet of salvation reminds you that no matter what happens to you, you are saved, you are in Christ, your eternal destiny is safe and secure. Jesus told his disciples in Luke chapter 12, verse 4, he said, I tell you, my friends, don't be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that they can do no more. Saying that's nothing. You see, when you take the helmet of salvation, you do not need to be afraid of the enemy's attacks. Let the enemy do his worst. You are safe and secure in Christ. And then verse 17 also tells you to take the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God. The sword of the Spirit forces the enemy to retreat. Did you notice that the sword is the only offensive weapon that you have listed in the armor? It's the only one you got. Trust me, you do not want to go into battle without your sword. And so this is another reason why we need to be reading and learning God's Word every day. The first reason we saw last week, you need God's Word to grow strong as a Christian. That's part of taking care of the basics. The second reason was so you can take the truth of God's Word and put into action. That's buckling on the belt of truth, right? But now we see that God's Word is also your main and really only weapon in the fight. Without your sword, all you can do is defend against the enemy, right? But with God's word in your hand, you can go on the offensive, and you can attack. And that is exactly what Jesus did. He was setting the example for us when he was tempted by Satan in the wilderness. Every time the enemy tempted him, what did Jesus do? He fought back with the sword. And how did the enemy respond to that sword coming at him, the word of God? He retreated. He backed off. He withdrew. We read in Matthew 4, 11, after Jesus attacked with the sword, the devil left him. And angels came and attended him. And the devil will leave you too. The sword of the Spirit forces the enemy to retreat. Bring God's word into the situation. Quote scripture. 
and Satan will flee. And then finally, we come to prayer. We read in verse 18, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. And prayer is the seventh part of the armor, reminds us that the battle is the Lord's, that we can't do any of this on our own. Prayer is dependency. When you pray, you go into battle not relying on your own strength, but depending on the strength of the Lord. As God says in Zechariah 4, 6, it's not by might, it's not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. So how do you prepare for battle? You put on your armor. God's given it to you, but you got to put it on, right? You can't just leave it lying on the floor. Don't leave it hanging in the closet. Put it on. Put on that belt of truth. The breastplate of righteousness. Tie on your gospel shoes. Get ready to go. Take up the shield of faith. Be ready for those spiritual attacks throughout the day. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions. So those are really the three ways that you have to prepare yourself for battle. You engage in praise and worship. There's the power. You practice preventative prayer, and you put on the armor that God has already provided for you. So in other words, God has given you everything you need to experience victory. The only question is, will you use what God has given you? Or you got to get up in the morning and walk into battle unprepared and exposed to the enemy's attacks. If you want to overcome sin and temptation, you've got to prepare for battle. So I pray as a result of today's message that you'll be encouraged to prepare for spiritual battle every day. I pray that you'll take advantage of these amazing tools and resources that God has given you to fight the enemy and to win the victory against sin. Amen? Let's pray. Well, dear Lord, we thank you for your word, which teaches us, which encourages us, which instructs us, which helps us. And Lord, as we we look at these three ways of preparing, uh, Lord, I pray that we would take these sheets even home with us and we'd uh, have it in our Bible. And as we get up in the morning, we'll look through and say, which ones have I been doing? Which ones do I need to add into my morning routine? And Lord, that we would begin preparing for battle every day. Lord, you've given us what we need for victory. We just need to walk out and do the things that you've given us to do. Lord, help us as we prepare for battle. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.